Hey guys, this is me. Did you move today? Atu bujo aujourd'hui. Shatemechiste oji. Ivoste moviste ora. Welcome to my podcast. I am very excited to have Melina as my guest. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. We had a couple of technical issues, but other than that, um, I hope that you move today. And again, welcome to the Did You Move Today podcast. Hello. Hi, Melina. How are you? Hey, Andrea. Hi, good. How are you? I am super excited to have you here. Super excited. So for everyone listening, Melina is a medical school candidate. She's a dancer, a yoga instructor. Her personal mission is to facilitate mind-body wellness through movement. So again, I'm very excited to have you here. Um, and, you know, we've known each other since, what, 2011? It's been yeah. a couple of years. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I'm very, very, very happy to have you. So to start, I would like to uh, know a little bit more about your story, um, about your movement journey. How did, how everything, I, I want to know how everything started with you. Um, so for me, everything started with dance, um, dance movement definitely kind of more of the I guess I would say professional training um, you know starting at a very young age and then um, extending out into yoga as kind of a cross training um, and from there um, you know as it happens when you get injured your training has to change um, and so I definitely moved into more of a passive, um, not being as physically capable and having to find new ways to help, um, help myself continue to move and heal my body at the same time. Um, and so that's where that um, mind-body connection and finding health through physical movement um, and really just started to speak to me. I did my yoga training. Um, I also started working at a clinic with a doctor who works with dancers. And so that's very much how my own personal story has developed. Um, I also started volunteering and teaching at a jail, Cook County Correctional Facility in the Women's Pre-Sentencing Department a more therapeutic yoga, which is um, bringing mind-body connection. So all of these different things kind of um, melded for me has, I would say even more recently within the last two years become is helping people find uh, body awareness. And then through that being, using it as a tool to find mental health and, um, just the whole package. Great. Now, did you find, you mentioned that you found dance before yoga. Was it because your, your mom got you into, you know, we're, we're going to start dancing or uh, was it more like a personal decision that you were like, Oh, I'm, I want to, I want to learn how to dance. Um, I started very young, you know, very 
stage three ballet, all that fun stuff. Um, my mom uh, was actually a professional hula dancer. I have some cous- cousins in uh, Mexico who are professional ballerinas, and um, art has always been a very big part of my family. Um, just I have my grandma is a painter, my uncle is an artist. Um, so art and movement is very much so just part of who we are. Awesome. Now, um, you know, I know you, you've done dance, you know, you're a dancer and then you're also a yoga instructor. You mentioned something about an injury. Uh, what kind of injury was it? Was it just, um, um, I have a labral tear in my hip. Um, and so I went through about, it was like a year of physical therapy. Um, and then, you know, imaging, talking to different doctors, getting different opinions. A lot of people were like, stop dancing. You need to stop. Um, you need surgery. Uh, so that is something that at the time I didn't want to do. Um, and just searching out second, third, and fourth opinions. And um, that's where I found actually a couple doctors and physical therapists who are willing to work with me and like help kind of strengthen and stabilize but at that time I had to take a break from dancing completely stop you know when you have to stop doing something that you love and your your body is so physically used to moving that much and all those endorphins and things going and you get into this very negative space when you um, have to stop all of that and very quickly like your brain like just gets like almost depressed over not moving as much and then um it's just yeah it's a it was a hard time to it was a hard adjustment period I would say um but working through all that working through that very difficult time was kind of what shaped um essentially how I said my mission statement to find um to facilitate health and wellness through movement and mind and body. Now, um, I'm going to ask you a question. Um, and is yoga and dance, are yoga and dance different? And if so, why would you say that yoga and dance are different? I actually don't feel that they're different. Um, I feel that any form of movement which you decide to take on or like practice uh there's a very um there's a connection there's this like kinesthetic awareness that you have to have and i believe that in that itself is meditation to me um whether i'm dancing or whether i'm flowing through a yoga asana um it all kind of comes back to this um, moving meditation and just being very aware of what your body is doing and connecting that, your breath, your movement. Um, So it like, and I find that it translates into other, um, other areas of movement too, whatever it is. Like if I'm at the gym lifting weights, I'm very, like conscious and aware of my physical form and it's all a practice in movement. 
Yeah, I, 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 I love that answer because I agree with everything that you said. Um, and it's awesome to see dance and yoga as a movement me meditation. And I don't know, like, I, you know, we've talked about this for a while. Like we've talked about this uh, before. And, yeah. and that's why, that's mainly also why I wanted to bring you on the podcast because I just think that that idea of yoga and dance are so similar and it's body movement. So that, that I don't know, I, I think that that's just so fascinating. Uh, you mentioned that you had, you know, you mentioned the injury. Um, and I've noticed that sometimes that injury could be, could be also a blessing um, just because it makes us aware of, oh, movement and science are actually connected. Um, and so I wanted to talk a little bit, a little bit about that. Um, about that movement in science. Do you think that movement in science um, cannot be separated? And if so, why would you say that? No, there is a very, um, I mean, there's a lot of anatomy and physiology, the whole, like, the science of movement, like kinesiology. There is very you have to be very consciously aware of that and I think especially after injury you become more aware of that in your own body like um how everything works together how stacking the bones um how having proper alignment and really the forces behind movement um all come together to find a way to safely move in your body um Does that make sense? Yes, it does. You mentioned proper alignment. Yeah. Um, and alignment is a a something that causes, I think now I believe it causes a lot of um cause a lot of um it could be controversial on Instagram and on social media. What would you say? How would you define alignment? I think alignment for everybody is going to be different. Our bodies are not all anatomically identical. Like you have very much what it should look like. And I feel like, especially once you get into a cadaver lab and you're like, wait, that's not the same as the picture in the book. You're like, what's going on here? And they're like, oh, there's a lot of variation in bodies. And I think, um, you know, it's slight, but finding what works best for you. I mean, even different types of movement work better in different types of bodies. And this is why we're not all training the same way, all doing the same thing. You find what works best for you in your body. Now, um, I don't know if you noticed this when you, you know, we went to school together uh, for undergrad. Did you... I don't know, like I felt that when I was in um, college or at Columbia, which I think it's, it's a great school, um, but I've noticed the lack of science within the arts in the dance department, especially. Uh, you know, we had some kinesiology and some um, anatomy courses, but what, one anatomy, one kinesiology, like not, not that much. Um, what would be your advice for all those dancers or the movers that are listening 
um, the podcast, what would be your advice for them? Um, if, you know, I, I, I felt that when I was in that, the program, I was, when I took that anatomy course, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I wish yeah. that I had more of these classes to understand how my, how my body moves and not necessarily, hey, this is first position in ballet. Keep doing the first position. Keep repeating this. Um, I don't know. I, f I found that I was one of the, the rare ones that was very yes. passionate about, like, oh. oh, my God, I want to know more about this. So first position comes from the external rotation of your femur and the activation of, like, your glutes, right? Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. Or, like, why? Why is that? Yeah. Why is, you know, I know we learn about Laban technique. And I know for yeah. all, the, all the people that don't know, you can definitely Google that out. It's L-A-B-A-N. Um, but, like, what would be your advice for those dancers that are currently in school and, you know, you're just – that person is just passionate about the science behind that? Like, what would be your advice? Uh, definitely seek out that information. Find those classes, even if there are a few available in your program, or search out – programs that are let's say if you're at that point of looking at colleges to go into um, programs that offer more um, science-based movement courses or even just have a bigger science department um, there's that you could always take a class at your local community college um, definitely get into like anatomy and physiology there is uh, actually a network of Uh, dance medicine it's a uh, you if you're a dancer or a doctor you can join this network and if you're interested in dance medicine um, you can learn so much through the meetings the organization I think you can google dance medicine and it, it'll come up as one of the first pages now um I, there's another thing um, now that you just mentioned um, that dance medicine and the, I believe that right now we're in this art versus science or, Oh, if I'm an artist, I'm not a, you know, I'm not into science. I, I don't want to know anything about math and what calculus, like, no, I don't, I don't do that. You know, like just like that mentality of, Oh, I'm an artist. I don't do math. Oh, I'm an artist. I don't do physics. Oh, I'm an artist and I don't do this. I don't do that. Um, so I feel like there's this separation between arts and science. Um, and do you feel the same way? I would say yes and no, um, because there are people out there. There is your podcast. You are working on bridging that connection. Um, I'm hopefully getting into medical school next year and eight years from now I can work in dance medicine and um, help people also bridge that connection. Um, so there are people out there that are doing things to meld that science and arts and um, it's just, I would say being on the forefront of that is really amazing, so... Congratulations. No, I mean, I'm, I'm happy that there's, you know, that Melina, you're doing your thing. And I'm sure like everything that you want to be and that you want to do, like it will just happen. Um, and, and, and so that, you know, I'm always, you know, that, that I'm very grateful for you. Um, 
but it's just this like very I don't know like I, I feel I feel that when I started um dance I, I well I think like when I started at the dance department I was like well I, I'm here because I want to dance and I guess I want to perform and I want to teach and I want to do this and I want to do that and um but I never started as a freshman like oh I want to know more about anatomy so that's why I want to become a dancer you know and and now it's funny because I've you know, for so long, for a couple of years, I was like, oh, I guess I'm not a, um, into science yet. Yeah. And now it's like, wait, what, what what's going on? Like, why? I, I wish that I knew about this when I started. And, and, and so it's just like this, um, it's an evolution of your practice. It's an it's a movement in what you want to do. We speak to this a lot in yoga. Your um, practice begins very much so as um, a physical movement. Mm-hmm. You just want to move. You want to be in your body. You want to be in the space and build a sweat, and then that evolves. You start learning more about the practice itself, um, and do you want to get the science and all the juiciness behind it? So it's definitely when you're interested in something, you want to be immersed in it. Not, you know, Mm. not just dipping your toes into the pool. You're like, I want to know about, I want to know the movement and I want to know the science behind the movement and how it all comes together. Yeah, and I think it makes it makes it it makes. Uh, I interview one time uh, Matthew Yoahara, and mm-hmm. he's a he's phenomenal. He's he's amazing, and he was just telling me, Andrea, there's three things: the ability to teach, the ability to move, and the ability to understand the science and put it into actual words. Yeah, and I was like, wait, uh, let me, <laughs> you know, I wrote that down, and I'm like, okay, so I think I have to work on number three. Yeah, And it's not necessarily for the students, but more so for myself, you know, it's because the students, I I guess if you, if there's a dancer or a, you know, yoga student that goes to my class, some of those students don't want to know about the science, but I wanted to know, you know, I wanted to, I want to know for myself so that I can become a better teacher and more well-rounded, I guess, teacher in school or wherever so and yeah go ahead peace informs the other um once you know more of the science behind it right you're able to teach it better you're able to practice it better in your body um and as far as teaching it to your students yes you will have those people that you know it doesn't speak to them yet they're not there yet and as a teacher you have to recognize that and kind of hold back a little bit but man, when you're ready to hear me talk, I'll tell you everything you want to know <laughs> about your movement. Yeah, like that's that, that's so exciting. Now, have you had this conversation with other people that you know, you know, you, you want to go to medical student, or you want to go to uh, medical school, um, and they ask yeah. you, yeah, what did you do for undergrad, or what was your major, and you're like, oh yeah, I I'm I'm a dancer, and I want to go to med med school. What's that? What's that, um, how does that, how does that play out? How the, how does that conversation, uh, plays out? Yeah, it gets brought up at really almost every interview 
um, that I've been to, and it's um, always like, so where is the bridge for you? Where is the connection between um, your dance and medicine? Where do you want it to go? Um, And to me, it's just very much connecting that um, physical and mind body and this is why I'm applying to osteopathic programs because the tenets of osteopathy are um, the body is a unit um, or the person is a unit of body mind and spirit so speaking to all three you have health in one then you can access health in the other areas Um, and to me physical movement is uh, very much a conduit for health Could you define um, osteopath for all the listeners? Um, So an osteopath is a doctor um, of medicine who practices kind of that whole, um, there's a couple tenets to it. So uh, you believe that the body is a unit of, um, or the person is a unit of mind, body, and spirit, um, that it is self-regulating. Um, and so it will heal itself. And um, what's the third tenant here? Um, that structure and function go hand in hand. And with all these three tenants, you then um, come on to the fourth, which is helping to heal the body, keeping all these things in mind. Now, have you, what are the, what are the challenges that you're facing right now um, with, with that, with that, um, you know, that bringing together the art and science, what are those challenges that you're facing? Or do you feel like you're, you're not facing any challenges? Honestly, I thought I would be facing more challenges and I guess I, I'm, uh, we'll have to see it come into play, how it would come into play later. But currently, um, I've had an overwhelmingly positive response to, I think, the direction that I'm going and what it is that I want to do. So um, that's been really interesting to me because initially I was like my harshest critic. I'm like, I'm coming from a dance background applying to medical schools they're gonna be like this girl doesn't know science and I'm just thinking that it wasn't going to make me a competitive enough candidate and it actually has helped um, make me stand out a little bit I would say because um, you know when you go to your interviews the first thing they say is like you are all very qualified to be here um, which is very um you uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's nice to get that acknowledgement, like, okay, I, I'm here and I belong to be here. So I would say, I guess my biggest challenge is myself <laughs> um, and just thinking like, yes, I am going to do this. This is what I'm going to do. Um, especially you can like, you know, you want to do something and with like your whole heart and you just hope that you get there right yes and then the the requirements that are 
requirements that have yeah. to go that you have to go through those requirements that honestly sometimes I feel that the requirements like GRE MCAT and all these things like sometimes I mean I don't know maybe you think differently maybe sometimes those things don't even um, evaluate or assess that your you know I mean when we're talking more about the GRE or th that the things that you have to memorize yeah are are just why like why do, why do I have to memorize that you know what do I have to um you know what I, you get what I'm saying I hope that the listeners get that that sometimes we have to to go through you know requirements that maybe no, we yeah, don't understand definitely to me a big portion of like um you know you have the 3.5 GPA you have the good MCAT score you have all the letters of recommendation and this just all goes to making you an average candidate um so there's yes this overwhelming amount of what you have to do just to because it's so competitive yeah um, It, but, I mean, they're also, I guess, um, I feel like you almost have to already be, like, a doctor with, like, the amount of, like, clinical hours you have to have behind you, the amount of science knowledge you have to ha go in to school with, which is, like, it's very little compared to what you are going to end up learning, but still, it's, yeah, it's a lot for, but, you know, it's a huge life choice it's a big career path I mean I won't be done with school for um another four years and then I'll be in residency learning and then I'll be a doctor learning some more so um they say it's a lifelong path and you have to be certain that it is what you want so yeah and it's it must be rewarding after you know yeah, getting definitely. into that Hopefully, fingers crossed when yeah. I get there. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, I want to talk about, um, I want to shift the conversation a little bit. I know you are Latina. Um, yeah. You know, you were based, you were born and raised here in the U.S., right? But you are Mexican. Yes, I was born in Mexico. Um, we lived in Brownsville for a very long time until I was about... 10 and then we moved to so Brownsville for those of you who do not know is very much like living in Mexico in America it is uh heavily Hispanic and um it's right on the border so you can cross back and forth between Mexico and the United States pretty much freely um and so I would say that for those 10 years I kind of had a very um melded upbringing until I moved to we moved to Corpus Christi uh, where I went from being like what I went to being the only Latina um, uh, in my school now or in my class I would say with um, all the things that are going on right now in the world huh? more so in the US um What is your, 
you mentioned that you also uh, volunteer in Cook County, right? In um, jail. You, you taught yoga classes in jail, right? Yes. Now, how do you feel as a Latina woman, you know, as a woman of color, how do you feel um, in the movement industry? Do you feel a difference because you're Latina? Have you had any, uh, have you ever felt any like uh, microaggressions? Um, and just so, just so you know, um, for the, for those of you listening, Melina and I, we are pale skin. We are basically, yeah, I guess white. Our skin is white. Um, but I want to know if even you are, even if you're white, um, even if the color of your skin is white, if you've ever been through, if you ever, if you ever felt any microaggressions. Uh, yeah, I definitely, um, there's definitely people that have made commentaries. One of the ones that is probably most shocking to me, I think, is, um, oh, you're not a normal Mexican or you're not a typical Mexican. That always, to me, is like a very big, like, WTF. Because I'm like, what is what is a normal Mexican? Um, why are, why am I being placed stereotyped like against uh, against a population of millions of like people? Um, how can you, how do we have one set of characteristics that define us? Um, so I think yes, I am Latina, but I am also myself and um it's very weird as you said we are pale um we walk this very fine line uh, I think between privilege and um also prejudice um because I believe that through our appearance we probably don't receive um I can speak for my brother. My twin brother is very actually dark-skinned. And so I notice that he's met with a completely different set of prejudice than I am. I've noticed it since we were little. Um, and so just to have that whole um, awareness, I think, uh, makes it very difficult. I know that I operate in a space of privilege when it comes to my skin tone. Um, even my accent, I don't have a very heavy accent. Um, and that also, um, speaking with my mother, who says that people occasionally do not treat her very nicely, especially over the phone in conversation because of her accent. They think that she doesn't know as much. They think that they, she, they need to speak slower to her. And that is totally not the case um so I witness all these different prejudices occurring around me to the people that I love um just for being you know who they are and then there's also as you speak to the microaggressions like oh you're not a stereotypical Latina I'm like what the hell does that mean um I get a lot of that And also, I'm 
speaking, bringing back to going into medicine, um, I'm going into a field where there is, I'm considered an underrepresented minority. Um, I believe it's like, I would, I don't want to speak to statistics because I don't have the number right off the top of my head, but I mean, definitely 10% or less, um, maybe 20, somewhere around there, um, Latinos in medicine in the United States. Now, what about the students that you have? The students that I have, um, that is also, so I started this, help start this organization called the Pi Project. It is a community initiative. We partner with other organizations um, to help bring the practice of yoga to people who need it most. Um, so again, coming back to that facilitating of movement. And I think for me, I had um, a very eye-opening experience actually when I was teaching at Cook County and I was shadowing on my first day and I was sitting across from a a Latina girl there who probably was younger than me. She could have been 18, 19, maybe. And um, she was in this yoga class. And for those of you who don't know, when you go into the jail system, you um, can't take your phone. So you have your ID, no electronics. And the only thing that separates you from inmates is the fact that you are wearing street clothes and they are in their orange um, or brown or whatever color it is, jumpsuits. Um, and even sometimes not that because they'll run out of uniform. So they're in their street clothes too. So when you are in the jail system, the guards treat you as an inmate. Um, and number one for security. Number two, when you're going into a system like that to help out, having a different status than them doesn't make them very open to receiving help from you. Um, so it does two things. It kind of, it makes you feel accessible to them and it's also for security reasons. And so that to me was a very like uh, shocking experience because I was like, this is what it feels like to be an inmate. And then I'm sitting across from this girl who looks almost identical to me and is just a little younger. And then you think about the statistics, they're there for um, usually a lot of the times domestic violence, drug charges, um, things that are related to just them trying to get by in life um, at, the, at the income level that they're at. So a lot of... Um, prostitution as well and it was just crazy to me to see this girl sitting across from me thinking that we didn't we our experiences aren't that much different we're sitting in the same room the only difference between me sitting on the side that I was being the yoga instructor and her sitting on the other side being the student and inmate was that um we just had different opportunities. We started out in different places in life. Um, and that was probably one of the most eye-opening experiences I had and why I kind of um, have made a lot of my work um, 
volunteer and um, just community-based in trying to bring health and wellness and this practice of yoga and um, to people who don't have access to, let's say, that $100 gym membership, those $100 pants, the $100 yoga mat, and, like, you're sitting there and $300 worth of yoga stuff, like, who has access to that? That is not yoga. Um, that is what Western culture has very much turned yoga into, and it's just bringing it back to community, um, bringing it back to mind-body awareness, and that's what I actually focus a lot with um, currently teaching um, through um, what's it called? The Pi Project. We're partnering with other organizations. So we did. We are um, starting to teach at an organization that um, helps shelter the homeless and move them into more permanent housing situations. For them, it's a lot more um, trauma based and bringing awareness back into their body, and then allowing them to use that to gain control of their situation. Um, I also teach yoga to kids um, in, uh, it's at a community center called the Peace House in Aurora. Um, and they come from a neighborhood that's just known to be underserved and underprivileged. Um, and giving them this practice and these tools to be able to hopefully change the outcome of you know to not be a statistic in the, of their environment and um, I mean we're hoping to eventually get back into the jail system and create some sort of break because one of the things so sorry it it um it seems that something happened there like I uh, like it, you broke down oh what part? so you said that uh, you were you're trying to implement the jail uh, yeah programs so with the pie project yeah through the pie project we're trying to get um, into a jail system which can be very hard to do and um, I think we're looking at actually Kane County um, so doing that and hopefully being able to create a bridge program for those of the people who yoga speaks to, because I know that when I was teaching at Cook County, there was definitely one or two women who I think really got a lot out of the program and really wanted to continue or further their education. And when you're told to just say like, Oh, um, search out your local community center and, you know, find yoga practice there and that doesn't really exist there's not a whole lot of that out there for them and knowing that and having to you know kind of tell that lie was very heartbreaking to me and that's why when I met Jen she's the founder of the Pi Project it was kind of like a very aha moment and she's like you can you know work on creating whatever programming it is that you want and so um that's kind of the direction where we're trying to build that community program so that you can say go to your local community center and you'll find us there um to bridge what they're 
learning in the jail system and outside of the jail system and extending that practice out to whoever needs it. Um, yeah. That is, that is amazing. That, that is truly amazing. Now I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Um, personal, complete the answer, complete the sentence. Okay. Yoga is for me. Yoga is for me. Um, I call it's my ride or die. Um, it's yoga is transformational to me. It's everything that I need it to be at the time I need it to be. So when I need it to be my own physical practice, it is. When I need it to be a tool to teach others a physical practice, it is. When I need it to be a tool for therapy, um, it is there. And when I need it to be just a very internal um like self-check, I relate a lot of kind of what's going on in my life to my physical practice and then back into real life. Um, And so it, you know, it provides for me what I need in the time that I need it to. Um, Great. Dance is? Dance is the same thing it is a physical movement it is a beautiful practice it is a tool um, to inspire and to create and to move others to do the same my greatest talent is my greatest talent is ooh, this one's a hard one um I would say, I mean, talent. (laughs) (laughs) You got me. Um, I would say, let's go, let's keep it with the theme of today, my my mind and body awareness. Um, Just being connected and grounded and being able to give that to other people. My greatest weakness is? My greatest weakness is? Um, I think being probably too hard on myself. Um, I think a lot of the times I can think very negatively. Um, think that I'm not doing enough. And that definitely comes from... Um, but it also, I think, helps me in a way. It keeps, you know, pushing me forward. But definitely um, finding that balance between being too critical of myself and, um, you know, keeping moving in the right direction and not staying stuck in that negative space. I love that you say that um, because it's – amazing to when I talk to other people and I'm like what's your greatest you know strongest uh greatest weakness and the majority of people are like I'm too hard on myself sometimes I don't think I'm I'm enough and I felt that before you know like sometimes I'm like maybe I'm not doing enough or maybe I'm not good enough for this or I'm not good enough for that so it's just it's 
you know, it's a tool that moves you forward, but at the same time, yes. if you let it completely consume you, it could keep you stuck where you're at. Um, like, do you think it has to do with being a perfectionist? Oh yeah, I mean that's why I I believe that you know when you when you get into movement, it is because um, you have this physical drive to perfect what it is that you're doing, you know, whether it be dancing, whether it be, because my personal yoga practice is, I will tell you, very different from what I teach, too. Um, it's, um, it's really, I think I would use it more, like, on Instagram, you'll definitely see um, me and some, like, weird almost very contortion-like poses, which is, you know, that's where I push myself. That's where I want to find that extreme limit to my body. Um, But that's definitely not what I teach to. Um, I teach people to be gentle, you know, take your own advice, to be gentle to their bodies, to find awareness and um, work on improving their movement quality but yeah just so personally my own practice is that of being a perfectionist and trying to find that extreme edge to what it is that I'm doing um and sometimes just being hypercritical of that when like you're looking through like the photos you took and you're like oh my god like look at that long hair there oh my god and my foot's not pointed or um and just you know knowing that it's okay to be there and as long as you keep moving forward and you keep working you'll get to where you want to be um and applying that not just to physical movement but the rest of your life yeah I I really I love that I love that because I've been through that where I'm like you know, it could, as you mentioned, it could move, move you forward. You, you, you could move forward with it. It could be a motivation, but also it could stop you. Like, oh, maybe I'm not going to do this. And I'm like, mm, yeah, maybe you should start doing it. You know, it's, it's this, yeah. this kind of, um, uh, it's like positive and negative, but yeah. also as long as you mentioned, there is this balance. The universe for me is, Oh, next question. Um, the universe for me is a um, it's an energy. It's a to me, it's a higher power. It's you know the vibration, um, it's life, uh, all of it. You, me, everything in this space and in outer space. It's the universe and we're all here in this cosmic ooey gooeyness i'm going to ask you the last two questions um the first one is did you move today yes i did and my second question is what's movement for you movement for me is anything that connects um your mind and body and you find you know a physical practice I mean today I did yoga um 
And that practice could be sitting here focusing on your breathing as long as you bring awareness to your mind and body connection. I believe that is movement. Melina, I want to acknowledge you for all the things that you do. Um, and also for, I love the idea of your, you know, you're passionate about medicine and dance and yoga and just movement in general. And that's something that um, I respect a lot. But also, um, you know, we've known each other for quite a while now and you're very authentic and, and bold. Aww. And that's something that I... Um, that I, that I value a lot, the, the idea of being very authentic and also the, the fact that you can also be vulnerable. I think that shows how strong you are and how, um, and, and, you know, of course I wish you nothing but the best with, um, uh, medical school and, and, you know, the pie project. So, I, uh, you know, I want to know if you want to share something else with the listeners before we finish the podcast. Um, I don't think so. I think we've covered a lot of it. I would definitely love to check back in with you at some point in time later. I know um, you're working on grad school and I find that what you do to be so inspirational Um, your whole movement podcast speaks to me and it's very much, I'm like, yes, yes, Andrea, that's like, we're, yes, work it, the science and the art and the movement. Um, and it's very much in line with what I, what speaks to me. Um, and so I would definitely love to check back in with you later and see, um, where you're at what you're doing of course always well thank you for that where can we find you on social media um so you could follow me on my instagram which is meli la 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 and then um facebook melina alejandra um also at the pie project dot org um same goes for the Instagram and Facebook handle for that. And it's um, thepieproject.org. Great. And I'm going to make sure to write that in the notes. So for those of you that, um, you know, that want to ch- no, check Melina out, I will make sure to write that in the, in the description. So thank you very much for being here. Um, guys, thank you very much for listening. And I'll see you in the next, uh, in my next episode. I hope that you move today. If you haven't moved, you still have a couple of hours. Thank you, Melina. Thank you.